the fuck? No, I love him. Me too. He's crunching. He is crunching. And I have hit record now. <clears throat> did I pull one over on you? You did. Cool. I was too busy admiring our boy for crunching his cat food. Mm-hmm. There's only one way to do it. Yep. yep. Hello and welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles fearless records, Punk Goes Ellipses series to answer the age-old question. Hell yeah or yeah nah. I, uh, I'm glad that we're not doing this on April 1st because I would have had to come up with two gags. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, for a brief second, made you believe that there was a new law stating that if you have a cat, <laughs> you have to get another cat so that he has a friend. At this point, I'll believe anything. Like, nothing is real anymore. Um, <laughs> you could tell me, like, fucking the moon has exploded. I'll just be like, okay. Like, <laughs> that's just where I'm at at the moment. Well, it's going to wreak havoc on my uh, cycles, but uh, here we are. <laughs> um, I don't know who that's more of a joke on, you or the cat, like, getting another one. Because we're not getting another one. Absolutely not. It was a struggle enough to get one on the lease. Um, apologies for the radio silence on Twitter this week. I was too busy celebrating <gasps> being a 30-year-old. How dare. Mm. I did dare, and you, it, it was fine. You, you Felt great. Dared do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I was going to do like a, here's this week's episode, April Fool's, we don't have one, but... um. I was mostly going to do one because I thought that we'd already recorded this episode somehow, even though we hadn't. Uh, we it's been it's been a time. We we were talking on the phone and I was like, "So, uh, are you alright to record tonight? Can we record later?" It's like, "Okay, well, we might just be releasing late. Well, why don't you just put out the I'm Real episode because we haven't recorded the I'm Real episode." <laughs> And speaking uh, of, this yeah. week's song is I'm Real. This the the, the cover is of the murder remix mm. by Jennifer Lopez featuring Ja Rule as covered by the starting line for Punk Goes Pop One. It sure is. Yeah. It is a sultry thirty something degrees. Oh, it is balmy. In our living room, unseasonably warm for March. April. April. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. That's even worse. Global warming, kids. Um. So yeah, we're gonna smash through this and then both jump into a cold shower. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Separately. Yeah, because even though we are ten years into a relationship, we've never seen each other nude. No. No. Very chaste. Yeah. Tell 
us about J-Lo, please. Okay, so Jennifer Lynn J-Lo Lopez was born in 1969 nice. in... Nice. Oh, yeah. In New York City. Lopez was selected as a backup dancer for New Kids on the Block. She would then gain a regular role as one of the Fly Girls on the <laughs> sketch comedy show In Living Colour. The Fly Girls would occasionally appear as extras, but they would mostly dance in between commercial breaks for the entertainment of the live studio audience. And I wrote, essentially, they were cheerleaders for a comedy show. Good work if you can get it, I, I guess. I, that's kind of cool, though. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I find it weird that, like... My very limited knowledge of TV, like if you have like a show where there's audience, like a live audience, that kind of thing, they do care a lot about like in the breaks, they sort of G the audience off and keep them happy. It's just like, it's all a facade, like just give them that light. I'm sure they'll be more than happy to comply. Like it's weird. Yeah, I've done a couple of, I've not done, I've been in the studio audience for a couple of shows. Yeah. Um... One was one was not live, and but even still, in between the breaks, I guess when they were putting on, uh, like the people's makeup and everything, like reapplying, yeah. they had someone who was entertaining, um, the crowd. I also was for my TAFE course on in the studio audience for the project, which was live. Yes. So that had, um, kill me now. They had Dave Hughes doing little mm. stand up bits in between. Yeezy! Born a pack of snakes alive. All the things were fucking dead. For those of you not in Australia, yeah, count yourself lucky that you don't know David Hughesy Hughes. Uh, In America, for every one Hughesy, they've got like ten unfunny comedians. Yeah, that's true. That are are wildly successful for some reason. I think for me it was just when Hughesy was getting all like political about COVID. It's just like, fuck off, mate. You're... Is he on the good or... Was he on the right or wrong side of that? Wrong side. Of course. Like, just like, oh, these lockdowns. Like, it's just like, um, fuck off, mate. Fucking Daniel Andrews is fucking Warden Dan. Yeah. Is it like that? I think so. I can't remember, so I'm probably putting words in his mouth. But yeah, he was basically just not helping the situation, as a lot of media figures appeared to be at the time. Anyway. But someone who was on the right side of... I guess COVID and last year's other big issue, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, was Jennifer Lopez. That's true. Who uh, she would, after the regular spot on In Living Colour, she would go and dance for Jennifer, Janet Jackson. I was going to call her Jennifer. No, Jackson. you said she was going to dance for. She her. she was also going to. Oh yes, okay. So she was also going to dance for Janet Jackson on her Janet World Tour in 1993 but decided against it so she could work on her own career saved it in the end yes <laughs> so she began work she began receiving acting roles landing parts in movies such as Money Train which is a good movie My Family I haven't seen it but it wasn't until she got the lead role in the biopic Selena I have seen it the true story about American singer Selena Kintia Quintanilla Perez, that her star began to shine. Although, in my opinion, that turn took place when she starred alongside Ice Cube in Anaconda. Okay. Yeah. I don't know anything about any of those films, so I'll take your word for it. I watched Selena. It was on television one night, and I watched it with Mum. So, yeah. Well, shit. So what's Anaconda about? An Anaconda. It's... They're... I don't know why they're on... Um, I think they're in the Amazon on a boat. 
I don't know, I can't remember why. I was re-watching this, like, in the last couple of years. And, yeah, there's a, like, a giant anaconda that's, like, stalking them and slowly eating them. And that's, that's about it. How fast do anacondas travel? Like, surely it's like, oh no, there's an anaconda, let's rev up this boat and drive away, roll credits. Yeah, you think, like, why, why is Jaws like two hours long when it's like don't go in the water cool yeah but then there's like in Jaws it's like well the mayor needs to open up the beach because it's summer and they're a beach town and their tourism would die oh my god yep so her first studio album on the six wasn't the anacondas (laughs) my anaconda don't uh, her first studio album, On The Six, wasn't released until 1999. And I, I put it in bold. I don't know why. I just assumed she had earlier releases than this. In a way, she's an actor-turned-musician. Perhaps the most successful actor-turned-musician. I like this is basically just a monologue for yourself at this point. Yeah. But, but like, <laughs> did you... did you? I always assumed she was a singer before she was an actor. Yeah, so I yeah. would have thought, like, I wouldn't have been surprised if there was, like, oh, some, like, 93, 94 releases somewhere in there. I think I just, I never really registered her until maybe 99, if not very early 2000s. Like, mm. for me, it was this song and also, like, Jenny on the Block. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's how I first knew her. So then from there it was like, oh, and she acts as well. Interesting. Yeah, it was kind of a little bit like that. But for me, it was Anaconda. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I, um, funny, funny story. When I was 12, my dad took me to go to, like, to go to gold class. And it was like, oh, wow, we're going to gold class. And that's like the cinemas where they've got, like, the the reclining chairs. And they come and give you meals throughout the movie. And... Mm -hmm. And we didn't plan ahead, so the only movie they had that we could go in at that time was Made in Manhattan with <laughs> with Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey. I seem to remember that movie not being awful at the time, but I was also like, I don't know, 12 or something, I guess. But like, I wasn't going to see Spider-Man or something like that. It was, for my birthday, it was Made in Manhattan. <laughs> was that just you and your dad, or did you take mates as well? Yeah, I took mates. <laughs> and we were like, we were there in Southland and it was like... That's they were just cool. like, let's just go. Like, let's go. Let's go see it. Gold class will be fine. Like, we want to experience that. I was like, all right. So it was a little bit funny, but yeah. <laughs> and he never had any friends ever again. Nope. So the about the song. So there's two versions. Yes. We have the original, and then as we mentioned, the murder remix, which features Ja Rule. Yes. Uh, do you want to take over details about the song, or are you happy for me to continue? I'm happy for you to keep going. Alright. Let's, uh, we'll all go down in flames. You wrote so, it, there should be no issues with it. The original was the fourth single from, yourself. from the second album, the second studio album, J-Lo. It was written by Jennifer Lopez, Troy Oliver, who also wrote Jenny from the Block. Corey Rooney, I, who wrote I Think I'm In Love With You by Jessica Simpson. And Sean. David Lewis, who wrote Getting Jiggy With It by Will Smith. So the original song garnered controversy because it uses an uncredited sample from Yellow Magic Orchestra's 1978 song Firecracker. The Firecracker sample was originally planned and licensed for Mariah Carey's Loverboy. 
So does that mean that it also was used in the end for Loverboy? Because I feel like... I don't think it was. Yeah. It was... It was... The, the, the issue was that... Like it got licensed but then used for something that it hadn't yes. specifically been licensed for. Yes. That's pretty dodge. Yes. So the genesis of the murder remix came about as a response from urban radio stations expressing their disappointment that J-Lo had not produced a single that catered towards their audience, and Epic Records knew they needed support from both urban and pop radio stations. After the album began to decline in the charts, Corey Rooney suggested to record producer Tommy Mottola that the song should be remixed, prompting Mottola to enlist Ja Rule of Murder, Inc. Records. Mm -hmm. The remix utilizes samples from All Night Long by Mary Jane Girls and Mary Jane by Rick James. I like the sort of strangely linear thinking so like let's use all night long that's by the mary jane girls haha mary jane let's do that other song by rick mm. <laughs> yep mary james mm-hmm. so in the murder remix the use of the n-word garnered controversy towards the song at a free concert in new york protesters picketed the concert angry over the use of the n-word lopez responded and to quote, for anyone to think or suggest that I'm racist is really absurd and hateful to me. The use of the word in the song was actually written by Ja Rule. It was not meant to be hurtful to anyone. End quote. Ja Rule would come out in support of these statements. So he, yeah, he wrote it and by all accounts it seems like he gave her blessing to, to say that almost. I, The way I read it, it's sort of like a product of its time, like... Obviously, people were still angry, but I feel like there was a bit more creative license in, like, the very loosest sense for someone who isn't black to use the N-word, especially since Ja Rule had essentially given his blessing for mm. her to do so. It's still an awkward position to be in, I guess. Yeah, look, it's... I don't... I mean, I definitely feel something when I hear it, and it's... Look, if she had written that lyric herself and oh, done it yeah. herself, like... That would have been uncalled for. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel less strongly about it because he wrote it yeah. for her to say. Yeah. Yep. Um, it wasn't a trap or anything like that. Like, he was fine with it. Um, I... What's his name? Chet Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks' son. Yep. Um, he has done raps and, like, He's dropped the N-bomb and his reasoning is essentially that's the language of rap. Oh my god, but you're not black. No. You're not allowed to use the N-word. Nor are you allowed as a white man to have, as a white American man to put on a Jamaican accent. No. Which is just so weird. He is an intensely problematic person. Which is, I, I get the feeling with him because... By all accounts, Tom Hanks is a wonderful man and a wonderful father. Like, Colin Hanks is is a gem of a person. <laughs> and it just seems like... It just seems like he said to Chet Hanks, you can be whatever you want to be. Mm. With no, with no like, amount of... But maybe you shouldn't be that. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't be a white rapper talking about, like, how you've come up from nothing because you haven't. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't drop the N-word because you're a white man in privilege. Oh. Maybe you shouldn't talk with a Jamaican accent because Jamaican me crazy with that shit. 
let's get back to the music video. <laughs> so, well, mo- the, both of the music videos were directed by Dave Myers, who directed the When Worlds Collide video by Power Man 5000 and Party Up In Here by DMX. I have no idea what Power Man 5000 is. They they have the song on Tony Hawk, the, oh, you ready to go? Oh, uh, yep, we've yep, talked, yep. yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. The Murder Remix version won the award for Best Hip Hop Video at the 2002 MTV Video Music Awards, which I I liken it because it, it's the Music Television Video Video Music Awards. Yeah, it's one of those redundant ones like ATM Machine. Eftpos, oh yeah, no, never mind, Eftpos Machine works. <laughs> so according to Vogue... The pink velour Juicy Couture tracksuit worn in the Murder Remix by Lopez became an iconic look. I don't know if it did over here. I Like, Juicy Couture was big over here, but in se- like it was as big as it could get, considering that Juicy Couture wasn't readily available over here. Yeah. And it was also... I don't think it was just because of... J-Lo like it was because of like Paris and Nicole yeah. and because of like Summer on the OC and like yeah. it was just sort of a fixture of like early 2000s fashion say what you will about how it looks it just looks so comfortable though oh yeah it looks just so it doesn't look terribly fashionable but it just looks so comfortable and I do look at it and go oh I'm immediately in 2003 looking at that oh yeah, yeah. I think like I never owned a velour tracksuit there's something about velour that kind of What's the word? Texture? Like, sensory-wise, it feels a bit gross to me. Okay. But, well, not, like, gross, but, like, it sort of feels like crushed velvets, like... Yeah, like... Distant cousin. <laughs> and I just... I, I feel like it would just pick up so much, like, fluff and hair and shit. Mushed velvet. <laughs> yeah. Fluff, fluffed velvet. <laughs> but, like, I do remember owning just the sort of... What's the word? Like low rider sort of like tracksuit pe- so like the sort of same silhouette of like the slinky ones that sit low like that's when hipster jeans and yeah. everything were like huge and just they were so comfortable because i had like a really wide sort of band and like i could totally get into juicy even though it wouldn't fit me now but um it didn't back then either ba, 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 da, ba. there's two lines of merchandise i would love to make for this podcast mm. one of them's a, a bum bag <laughs> I'd love to make great. a Punk Goes Pod bum bag. <laughs> I'd also love to make a Punk Goes Pod tracksuit, like the like the Adidas tracksuits. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of like sweats as merch. Like, yeah, Phoebe Bridges has some really sick ones with like skeleton bones on them. Track track pants as merch is a real big thing. Like especially like death metal bands get into it. Like yeah. you get death. Like I could get Black Dahlia murder tracksuit pants. Why haven't you? That's so sick. I don't know. I think because it's like. I would still have to spend $60 for something that's just going to be worn around the house. That's my favourite thing, though, is, like, splurging on, like, loungewear. Especially last year. Like, I discovered a deep appreciation for, like, going all out on a house tracksuit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, if you're down for it, we definitely should invest in making a punk ghost. And, like, that, if we start a Patreon, that could be, like, the $100 tier. Ooh, is, I like that. Is, is the Punk Goes Pod tracksuit. I like yeah. that. All right, With so... With Punk Goes Pod across the arse of the... Yes. Like, yeah, on the leg, maybe something like one of our quotes or something on the arse. 
but I'd have to go. I'd have to go back through episodes to like see what's a good quote. Like our logo would it is now. I uh, excuse me for the for the interruption. I knocked over the microphone, getting so excited talking about tracksuits. Mm. Uh, the, the 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 headphone logo would be on where like the little thing. Yeah. Would, yeah. Oh, we'll have a think. We have lots and lots of time to workshop. So much time. So the original video features cameos by Ja Rule. He's standing in the crowd doing this. And Sam is doing that thing where you sort of rest your thumb on your chin with like, sort of like a thumbs up, but on like maybe a 45 degree angle and cradling his chin between his thumb and his forefinger. Person my lips. You need to remember this is an audio experience for our listeners. Well, that's why you narrate what I'm doing. Yeah, but it's a lot of pressure to put that in words on the fly. Uh, the video also features a, a, they call it a cameo, but at that point he was just acting. Um, Travis Fibble from the TV show Vikings. Mm. And he also hails from Machuca, Victoria, Australia. Yes. So I'm surprised you don't know him personally. No, I don't. Because Victoria is a very big place. I I got into Vikings for a little while and he does a really good job. He he has this kind of voice that sounds like this. Like he, he has the sort of, he puts on the Scandinavian, Floki, let's go raid Floki. And then like, the the second his second wife is from like Bondi Beach and she just comes in and she's basically just like yeah g'day how are you <laughs> this beach is cold I'm not used to this one champ so I guess we talk we either talk about the song or we talk about Fire Festival because this might be our only chance to talk about Fire Festival haven't we already talked about Fire Festival look let's yeah look the documentary talked about it. Enough. Yeah. The two documentaries about it. Yeah, because we talked about it briefly because Blink were on the roster, remember? Yeah. And then they just sort of quietly distanced themselves. Oh, from that it. was... The Fire Festival was before we started this. Yeah, yeah. but like, I'm sure it's come yeah. up organically at some point. Alright, yeah. So we won't talk about Fire Festival. Um, so what do you think about the song, though? The songs. So... I guess for the purpose of this, like, we want to focus specifically on the Murder remix. Yes. I'm disappointed that it's not the original, though. Because I remember when I saw this on our list, like, our schedule, I was like, yes. I remember that song really encapsulates that, like, early 2000s sort of vibe. Um, And then, yeah, when I was listening to Jumping Ahead a bit, like, listening to the cover, I was like, what? This doesn't sound... And then I realised it was the one with Jar on it. Mm-hmm. It's fine, but it's just compared to the original, it's so boring. Really, I'm not saying it's lazy or anything like that, but it's like it's so mellow. You have to scoop it up off the ground. Yeah, like, it's so. Which because I'm, I'm just about to start writing about the Finnish death doom band, Hooded Menace, mm-hmm. and their thing is 
very slow, crushing death metal. Right. So, like, after listening to four really slow death metal albums, I'm like, I can actually get into this, like, the, the sort of mellowness of this version. Yeah. I'm actually like, okay, I get it. I can bop my head to this. I think it's... I think, yeah, if you view this, or you, I mean I, because I can't speak for everyone, but, like, if I view this purely within a vacuum of, like, just the one song, it's a good song. Like, it's chill. I can picture, like, driving along the coast or something with my friends and just sort of listening to this and chilling out, and it's fun. We were driving in the car yesterday listening to one Richard S. Heath exhaustive (laughs) 90s playlist that goes for... Tiny forty hours, and this so song did good. come on. It did, and it felt good. Yeah, it, it felt did. good driving through. I think it was Dramana or something. I don't know. Um, so, like, it has a purpose, and it fulfills that purpose. But between this and J Lo's original single, I will pick the original every time. Yeah, so it's because you've got something to compare it to. That exactly. You go, yeah. Well, it's you know we preternaturally go towards a preference and if yeah. this isn't the preference then yep. I, I do get that because like the, the original does have a lot of energy to it and like even just that sort of like I don't know how you would describe it that really sort of that really teeny kind of drum like the dun 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 yeah like at the start it's like oh I am I am immediately in 2001 right now like yeah because like Everyone, every pop star used that drum beat at some point. Yeah. In their recordings. Like, yeah, I, I I get it. I still think that I'm with you. I think I prefer the original. Yeah. Because just even, like, even the the chorus, it's just, like, has such a good hook to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just... Yeah, I don't want to be down on the murder remix. I'm, I'm not. I actually do like the murder remix. Yeah. Um... I don't really like too much that Ja Rule did, but, like, this is pretty good. I like it. But, yeah, if you compare it to the original... Mm. He he did some okay stuff. I remember he did that song, The Rain. I think the rain is coming back. Yes. Yeah. And then he also did that one with Ashanti, was it? Maybe. Um. Yeah. No, I think I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. He also did the Everybody that Believe It Up. Yes. So what? So good. I do. He was he was one of those funny ones though. Like I knew a lot of people that were getting into a lot of rap at that time, and nobody said they were a Jar Rule fan. Like they even had like people who were heavily into Nelly. Yeah. But no one was into Jar Rule, and I, I I get the feeling he was not too long into his career, kind of seen as a bit of a joke. Yeah. In a way, and like. There were, I mean, I know in the last 10 or so years, he's toured over here, but, like, he was touring, like, like he was playing pubs in Townsville and stuff like that. Like, he was not... I have a friend who went to go see him, because I think it was him and it might have been... Because Ashanti's still alive. It's not her. It's Aaliyah who... It's Aaliyah. So I think, yeah, Ja Rule and Ashanti, I think they came over here for one of those, like, really embarrassing sort of tours where they round up all the 90s. Yeah like, one or two hit wonders and, like, just farm them out to, like, stages. And, yeah, I think they played, like, some pub or bar or something and they were like, 
I think they ran like at least like a couple of hours late, <sighs> and everyone was just like, "Are you fucking kidding?" Did they me? say how many people were in attendance? No, I'll have to get some more intel. But that's, yeah, it was yeah. just like that's exactly what I would expect. Like yeah. so everyone was just kind of like, "Okay, I don't know what I expected, but of course this would happen." Like, yeah, he was in. Um, I can't remember what it's called. There was a movie with Steven Seagal, because Steven Seagal had two movies that came out within about the same year. I think it was Exit Wounds had DMX in it. Mm -hmm. And then there was this other one that had Ja Rule in it. Right. And Ja Rule's a criminal, and he ends up, like, he ends up, I think at the end, he goes to jail again. But, like, he does the right thing. And so, like, Steven Seagal's character is, is like, the last scene is there on the... They're on, like, the, the two-way phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just talking. And Steven Seagal, like, asks him, he's like, so are we all right? And Ja Rule goes, no. We ain't. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> That's the last line of the fucking movie is, no, we ain't. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> so, yeah... I never quite bought Ja Rule as, like, a credible... And, like, not long after, 50 Cent was already out, and it was like, oh, no, I believe him. I believe... I believe when he's, like, talking about being hard, I believe him in his hardness. I don't believe Ja Rule at all. (laughs) Right. I think, like, as a kid, I... And I don't know why we got onto this that much, but, like, as a kid, I sort of... Ja Rule was, like, one of a conglomerate, almost. Like, to me, Murder, Inc., I was like, okay, so he's one of multiple people. And that just sort of afforded him credibility, even though I don't really think that's the reality of it. Yeah. 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 Just like how you sort of had, like, you had, like, Dr. Dre and all those ones. Like, I just sort of pictured him as, like, a Dre-esque kind of figure, but I don't know how true that is. No, no, well, not at... Dr. Dre... Uh, made billions off of beats. Uh, ja Rule frauded people in Firefest <laughs> and, and gave them cheese sandwiches. Oh man, what a time. <laughs> and he got pumped by 50 Cent buying out four rows of his... Oh, of his so uh, good. ...fucking concert. I, I, I'm standing by the thing of like, one, that's hilarious, but two, he should have just doubled down and just bought all the tickets. I'm... Yeah... We talked about this already, but I'm still like, you just spend money to prove a point. Like, that's yeah. still money that's paying for Jar to be there. I don't know how 50 Cent afforded it, though, because apparently he was bankrupt at some point. Got, like, vitamin waters his, so... That's right, it is too. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, and then he has, like, a huge mansion in Africa somewhere, and it's like... Huh. Okay, why If you want to not be bankrupt maybe sell that yeah <laughs> no no but I need it um cool. so look I think I do like I do like his delivery though like he yeah. does have that really and I remember even like the way he talked it was really that sort of gravelly kind of kind of was I kind of wish he was like the the hip hop version of Tom Waits just like really weird and just really gravelly and yeah, just just kind of eccentric, but he's not. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, one thing I like about the song-slash-music video is... And look, they could just both be really good actors, but I feel like J-Lo and Ja Rule have really good chemistry together. Like, yeah, yeah, I get that. 
because yeah, like off mic, you sort of said, "Oh, I wonder like what he would have been like to work with behind the scenes, kind of thing." And I feel like you couldn't sort of manufacture the kind of yeah, the chemistry they have together. I could yeah. be wrong, but yeah, to me, it felt very kind of natural, and like they're both genuinely having fun with it. I don't know. I've seen Made in Manhattan. She's not that great of an actress. Well, I think she's fine. She was in the movie Geely with uh, Ben Affleck, and there's a scene where they're talking about turkey, and then it leads to a sex scene, and so her line is, it's turkey time. It's turkey time. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. This this was when they were dating or engaged. Oh, that's so upsetting. (laughs) We'll we'll check it out on on YouTube. It's it's yeah, it's Turkey Time, <laughs> which is like in like the instigation for come and have sex with me. Couple couple. And I think that's the proper jumping off point to move on to the starting line. Yeah. What's my Diehard Punkos pod fans may remember that we've already covered the starting line on episode 26, but we can still provide a little bit of information because it's been over a year. It has. Um, So the starting line formed in 1999 from Philadelphia, and in 2008, the band took a break but reunited in 2009, so like a year they Mm -hmm. were on break. Uh, in 2019, the band went on a 20-year anniversary tour playing the band's Warp Tour. Sick. And I can't remember, we might have said at the time that we did the previous Starting Line episode that we might talk about their album, Say It Like You Mean It. We did talk, We did listen to that now. We did. We both separately and then together listened to it. We did our homework. Yep. Um, it's... Because I guess another thing that prompted me in particular was um, speaking to Alex and Brian from the Zeitgeist Lab podcast. Um, because I think this was a drive through Records album, wasn't it? I think say so. Anything. Yeah. yeah. Not say anything. Jesus. Say it like you mean it. Um, but yeah, I... Again, like listening to it with you in the car yesterday, it's... It's one of those albums, I think, had I listened to it as a teen, it would have really resonated with me, and I'd have a real sort of affection for it today. Mm-hmm. I still really enjoy it, but I just don't have that emotional pull to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'd necessarily come back 
to yeah. this. Um, I do, I do think it's good. Um, and yeah. I, again, I would have liked this as a teenager. Yeah, definitely. It's a long album for a pop punk album. It's a long album. It's yeah, super long. Um, like it's nearly an hour, I think. I'm just gonna pull it up on um Spotify because yeah, I remember we were sort of like, is it still going? Is it still the same album? And you were like, yeah. And I was like, wow, we've been in the car for like fifty minutes. Um, but yeah, in saying that, like. It also has one of the greatest singles of all time on it, The Best of Me, which is just such a good yeah. pop-punk single. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, like, one thing that, like, listening to this album and then also this cover that we're talking about today... So, yeah, 47 minutes, 34 seconds, um, which is a... It felt a lot longer. That's a, lo- that's a long pop-punk album, that's though. True. I feel like a lot of pop-punk albums really... Made, like clocked in at like the 34 minute mark because most were like 12 songs yeah most didn't go past like three and a half minutes yeah so true um but yeah like so this was released in 2002 and uh yeah for me oh so this says geffen records i feel anyway oh. doesn't matter um the starting line remind me a lot of early Fallout Boy, which I think is why I would have gravitated to them. Okay. Had I known much about them at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I said to you, I said, this is more screamy than I was expecting. And that's when you said, oh yeah, it reminds me of early Fallout Boy. Yeah, like it has that real sort of pop sensibility to it. And like the clean vocals are gorgeous. But then yeah, it does have, I think the way I put it was like, this is... The exact amount of danger that I like. Yeah. <laughs> in a very facetious, like, just having that little bit of, like, roughness around the edges. Like, it, that's what sort of pulled me in when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think at the time, I would have absolutely loved it. And, like, I do enjoy it a lot. And I think I have put it on a couple of times, like, over the past year or so, just to sort of while away an afternoon. But, um... Yeah, it's solid. What do you think of the cover? I... I'm in two minds about it. I think... To me, the production value of it feels a bit lo-fi. Which doesn't do it much justice. The beginning's kind of chaotic. Yeah. Like, it feels like they're all playing different songs. Yeah. It feels like... And I don't know how deliberate that was. Like, it just feels like it's mixed poorly or just a bit sort of scrappily i think by the time though the first the first yeah yeah comes around it's like they pick it back up Mm. um i really enjoy that it's it's cheesy as all get out but i do enjoy the yeah yeah oh yeah it's it's a staple like you gotta have it and i think they really nail it with the chorus like just it just comes in and it's fast and it's well, it's sort of sing-songy. Like, it's yeah. very pop-punk and they're just the way you are, the like... Would have done really... Would have done really well if it was done by, like... Something like... I'm trying to think, like... How Newfound Glory and Hayley Williams have worked together. Like, I would have liked to have seen that dynamic of, like, a female mm. punk vocalist and him... Yeah. Doing, ...doing the separate roles. Like, it just would have been interesting... Yeah. ...to no, hear I can, that. I can see that. Um... But yeah, I um, I think overall I still really, really like it. It's just like 
the beginning, I was like, I'm trying to catch up with this. Yeah. I don't know where I'm at, where I am at. And like, even, even like a genre of like grindcore has structure to it. Yeah. As chaotic as it is, it has structure. This is just feels sloppy, which makes me wonder if it was one done live and two done in like one take. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, it doesn't feel like an accident. Like, I get the feeling that it is done on purpose. It's just they were going for something different, and then they write themselves, and then it, then it becomes a a pretty decent pop punk cover. Yeah. 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 I think. Yeah, like I said before, like it threw me listening to this first and realizing that it wasn't the version of the J Lo song that I was hoping it would be, but they work with it in a way like the fact that they managed to turn like quite a laid back sort of chill track mm. into something that has a bit more um momentum behind it yeah. as like a pop punk song like yeah that sort of immediate like what's my name yeah. like and then it just sort of collects itself from there and then just becomes a very standard kind of scrappy track but they do it really well yeah, I think I think it was more of a challenge to do something with the remix than with the original. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I th- I, I'm impressed by it. Yeah. I think that's the thing is, like, I can picture a pop-punk version of J-Lo's original. Yes. But in saying that, because it's so straightforward, whereas, yeah, like, the fact that they were able to take the murder remix and sort of spin it into quite a unique cover. Like, mm. that's testament to their ability to do that yeah. in the first place. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's... Uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, so, other covers. Um, I don't know if this is a first for us, but the, the channel Bradley0505, uh, that's Bradley with no E, mm. uh, actually covers the cover... So he covers uh, the starting line and does all the instruments himself. And this is this is kind of a delightful little cover. Yeah. And you know me, so don't mess with babies. I'm real. The way you walk, the way you move, the way you talk. I'm real. The way you stare, the way you look, the style. I'm real. The way you smile, the way you smile, it drives me wild. I'm real. And I can't go on without you. Yeah, what I wanted to say before, like, sort of transitioning into these other covers was the way that, I assume his name's Bradley, (laughs) Um, (laughs) the way that Bradley treats the cover here, it gives me a lot more respect for how it was arranged. Yes. Like, because I'm I'm not sure when this was, I'm not going to pull it up because I know it'll just bring up Uh, something. It was about 10 months ago. Oh, wow. Okay. 
Because, like, I also wouldn't have been surprised if this had been a product of back when those multi-window mm. videos was, like, big. Um, but, yeah, like, the fact that he sort of got that multi-window setup of, like, he's playing the bass, he's playing the drums, he's playing the guitar, vocals, and then backing vocals, or the two, I should say. Um, seeing it broken down like that, especially the two vocal parts and how they interplay with one another and, like bounce off one another, it, yeah, it gives me a whole, like, new perspective on the intricacy of that. Like, yeah. it's not, but, it, like, it reminds me a lot of, like, you're taking back Sundays, or, like, I guess Alexis on Fiber, like, obviously super watered down, but just the interplay of, like, those two parts. Yeah. That was kind of missing in the starting line one, I think, just because it felt a bit more hectic in the mix. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I um he looks like he's having a really good time. His channel is just pop punk covers. I love it. It's very it's, charming. It is very charming. Yeah. Um I will like I've seen those multi window or like videos of the one person doing the whole band thing mm. to death. I wanna see someone who can actually put themselves playing at the same time so they look like a live band of like quintuplets i haven't shown you keith urban playing higher love then have i oh no i have seen keith yeah. urban playing higher love does we, he do the does he do three parts he does yeah three parts and then nicole walks in and starts cuddling up to one of the keiths which for some reason that's the bit that i just lost my mind like that's the dumbest <laughs> bit of it is like there's three keiths and I think, like, the other two keeps, like, turn and go, like, oh, hey, so, like, hey, Nicole. Like, it's... Ah, <laughs> oh, that, is, that is a piece of cinematic art right there. Which, which brother-husband are you going to be spending the day with today, Nicole? I love it. I love it so much. And <laughs> was, that cover is genuinely great. <laughs> I was going to put on an accent that I remembered. Oh, yeah, Keith Urban's Australian. Nicole Kidman's Australian. I have an Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... I mean, yeah, bring on more of those videos, but I don't think anyone can top Keith Urban playing with Keith Urban and Keith Urban. That is pretty good. I, I, I do want to see just a regular person doing it, though, because Keith Urban has the, the means to do that. True. Yeah. But, yeah. But, no, props to Bradley0505. Oh, definitely. Yes, I'm not, I'm not discrediting Bradley. Would never. I didn't say you were. Speaking of one man in a room, though... Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute since we've talked about uh, one buff Corral. It's like they all the same, but appetite for loving is now my hunger pain. And when I'm feeling sexy, who's gonna come for me? My only problem is there is a human cheese that you try to feel alone. It's one of those ones where it's the camera angle facing him, not facing <laughs> the, the mirror. And you get a full glimpse of the hair and yep. the eyebrows. Uh, also, his jeans are incredibly low, so Buff looks like he's in the buff. 
It's very uncomfortable viewing, I've got to say. <laughs> like, it's a departure from the usual mirror shot kind yeah. of thing. And yeah, there's something about this angle where I'm glad he swapped it over to the mirror setup. He swaps it from time to time. Like, yeah. I think for every... I mean, because the, the dude has over a thousand videos, so I think like for every 50 mirror videos he does, there's like one or two yeah. where it's facing him. And I don't know why. I, I think it might just be like, nah, I want the camera to face me today. <laughs> like maybe, maybe it's after he's had a good workout or something and he's like, no, nah, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Like, let's put the camera on me. <laughs> <laughs> he handles the flow very well, though. Yeah. Like, he immediately just gets in, like, snapping his fingers and... Yeah, like, there's... There doesn't seem to be, like, any moment where he feels lost or anything between, like, having to cover two vocalists. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, uh, he... Yeah. He is a master of the craft. <laughs> cool. Well, that might do it Keep for it us. short and sweet, because that computer is overheating, I think. Yep. And so are we. Oh, yeah, definitely. But next week we are looking at the song Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears as covered by Jamison Parker for Punk Goes 80s. Love it. Until next week, hit us up on Twitter at Punk Goes Pod. Um, I guess Instagram. I see the notifications. I just don't do anything about them. <laughs> um, shoot us an email at punkgoespod at gmail.com if you feel so inclined. But otherwise, yeah. See ya. Yeah, take it sleazy. <laughs> <laughs> take it queasy. <laughs>